Welcome to Fashion Your Seatbelt, your first class seat to one-on-one conversations with the fashion industry's top voices. I'm Jessica Michaud, and I created this podcast to share the joy I have in getting to know all the amazing people who bring this creative, inventive, and extraordinary business to life. You'll get to hear the cadence of their voices, the sound of their laughter, and feel firsthand how passionate they are about what they do. Also, I just want to remind you to leave a review. Stars are really trending right now, and it helps other very stylish listeners like yourself find the show. Now buckle up, and let's get started. Romeo Hunt first registered on my radar in a way that I've never connected with a young designer before. He sent me a DM on Instagram during the global lockdown last year and suggested that the two of us jump on an Instagram Live to talk about the state of fashion in the throes of a global pandemic. And that is exactly what we ended up doing. I'm telling you this story because I think it perfectly illustrates who Romeo is. He's always taking the initiative. He has a clear vision of where he wants his brand and his career to go. And he's open to experimenting, trying new things, meeting new people, and just seeing how their creativity all comes together to build something new and engaging. Now, just a bit of background about Romeo before we jump into our podcast interview. He grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and turned down a full athletic ride for his skills in track and field to instead attend the Fashion Institute of Technology to pursue his dreams of becoming a fashion designer. He launched his brand in 2014, and then he hustled. Using his contacts via his freelancing styling gigs and his full-time job as a personal shopper at a luxury retail store, Romeo was able to build both momentum and buzz for his signature label. And then it wasn't long before before Romeo found his statement-making outerwear on the likes of Beyonce, Dwayne Wayne, or Tobias Harris. Zendaya was a very early adopter of his colorful ensembles, and Michelle Obama has been spotted wearing his tailored blazers and denim hybrid jackets. Step by step, Romeo has been building a reputation for making cool, reconstructed pieces that take the best elements from different items of clothing and create crisper-like hybrid pieces designed to get noticed. One person that early on took a shine to Romeo's designs was Tommy Hilfiger. The two designers have built a strong relationship over the years, and Tommy recently gave Romeo free reign to forage through his archives. Romeo took it upon himself to revisit and reinvent some of Tommy's iconic designs and give them a new lease on life. This clever collaboration is just the beginning of the long road ahead for Romeo in fashion. Romeo, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you are super busy. We've been trying to get together for weeks and weeks now, so you are clearly working you know, on all cylinders. Yes, yes, yes. It's just been a crazy busy ride for me right now, but good, good stuff. A lot of good stuff. Well, tell me a little bit about the, before we go back and talk about your history and what brought you to fashion in the first place, just tell me where things stand now. We're kind of seeing the, you know, light at the end of the tunnel as far as the pandemic is concerned with the vaccine around the corner. I know you're working on a couple of different collections and collaborations, but tell me what's the state of play for you right now? Right now, it's just like a day-to-day. I've just been trying to take it as easy. Um, same thing, like um, being as optimistic as possible, working close with the team, just making sure that they're healthy and family. And right now it's the holiday time. So it's just like it's an awkward uh, season for me right now. But it's still, you know, just trying to enjoy, trying to find the bright side of everything right now. Well, I have to say that that was one of the things that I thought was so ingenious about how we first connected, because you reached out to me actually through Instagram and we did a live together in the early days of the pandemic. Everything was still, everyone was kind of still figuring out how to communicate and connect with each other. And I was really touched by that. And I wanted to know what was the impetus of that idea, because you went on to do many more. I think it was one of the fear first few to do that with you but tell me about what that process was like for you to do all those lives over all those months of confinement 
Yeah, um, I honestly, the lives were just, it kind of brightened up my day because it was just so much news, like it was the the pandemic and then also Black Lives Matter and just with so much going on. Um, where I stay at is like I'm downtown Brooklyn. So it's just very, it's an area where it's like protesting and it was just a lot of um, the energy around me, but it just, uh, I feel like each live kind of took my mind away from everything that was going on. And just was a good time to catch up and, you know, speak to a lot of amazing people that you probably see or meet at events, but you never really get to have a conversation because everyone's schedule is really busy. So I think it was just um, a great way of connecting and building um, a connection also with the community because I feel like most of my viewers had a lot of great questions for me and also each guest that we had on. Um, so I think it was just a, a time of reflecting and also educating people and inspiring people because it was a time that I feel like a lot of people, they wanted hope or to know that, you know, they could do it too and they could pull through this tough time. Talk to me a little bit. Let's go dive in a little bit deeper about this time for you because you talked about Black Lives Matter and of course uh, COVID and, you know, the whole fashion system being turned on its head as far as how things are presented and shown. Now looking at it, what have you really taken away from this experience and how have you infused that into the work that you do? Right now, it's just all about like the the word pivot. I really believe in that. And I looked in, I just looked into like a lot of different ways how we could adapt as a brand and also as, um, you know, building that connection with the community and also knowing that, making people know that we're all in this together and um, that it, it's, as, as long, that's the only way it can work right now, you know? Um, and with everything that was just going on at that time and now, it's just, now it's just all about adapting to the change. I'm more of a person, I love to go in an in-store and getting that in-store experience and then also, you know, touching and feeling. So it's just all about like something that you really like and you value. How could you make that virtual? How could you, you know, still cater to your audience and still keep them, you know, wanting to dress up? <laughs> well, I mean, you had also had a lot of, you know, quote unquote wins during the during the the lockdown per se. You had, you know, the Zendaya pieces, you know, being your pieces being worn by her and in style. You had your face masks, which was so, you know, completely you with great colorful face masks, you know, flying off the shelves. There's been a lot of recognition of your work during this time is it is it weird to have that dichotomy of, of feeling like you know, there's a buzz circling around you and growing about you at during a time when things are so in flux yeah um that 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 is something I did, didn't mention thank you for pointing out um yeah so it's definitely something I, I I have to be very thankful for um I'm very um fortunate to have like a great team and a, a lot of great coverage like the Sunday moment was amazing because you know she was the first muse and actually I, to come back after, you know, I have this great moment and she's, of course she embodied the piece so well. And I also like the September issue with the the mass, um, that was really great. I, I, feel, I was excited about being in the September issue. That was really great. And, you know, it's just like, I just want this to be an ongoing thing. That's the, that's the thing. I feel like this was one time in industry I feel like a lot of opportunities came into us. And when I first started, I started off with no resources. So we really had to like, I had to get my feet wet in the industry. I had to really network and build um, connections and really just grind my way up. Even though to a lot of people, they, you know, to themselves, they're like, oh, wait, like, how did he come about? How did he come into the industry? Like, where did he come from? So, um, you know, it just was a time that I was like, wow, like, you know, this is, I feel like it was very comfortable. Mm -hmm. Well, talk and, uh, to me a little bit about that networking aspect, because that's something a lot of 
people who talk to me like, how do you break into the industry? How do you, you know, make it in this world? I mean, it's the, the African question. So for me, it's all about the networking, but tell me a little bit about your, you know, your origin story and how you were able to grow um, as an individual and then as a brand name as well. So when I started off, it was really small, small collections, like about five or six pieces. And um, those pieces I just kind of introduced to like my clients at the time I was working in luxury retail and I was doing freelance styling. So I just feel like once I introduced a piece, they wanted to see more and they wanted more. So that definitely um, encouraged me a lot to like really believe in myself and to really try to get this in front of as, in front of as many people I can mm-hmm. at the time. And um, that's what just kind of happened. Um, each stylist, each celebrity that I would meet, once they seen the collection or seen pieces from it, it was kind of like they wanted to they wanted to be a part of it. They wanted to wear it. So mm-hmm. that's something that was that's definitely a gift. You know, that, that's something that um, I feel like that was my way of breaking in and also building these relationships. And I think it just all goes back to like when I was a child, I always had appreciation for like great craftsmanship, fabric and like a great style. And then I had amazing women around me that inspired, you know, inspired me to design for women. And, you know, the collection started off with just all women's and for it to kind of break into men's, it was really organic. It was something that kind of came to, I think it was a few pop-ups and trunk shows I did. And like a lot of like the husband or the boyfriend will always ask like, what do you got for me? I want, I want this. Can you make this a bigger size? And I just kind of just, I just was like, okay, let me just start off with a few pieces. And it just kind of grew into something that they wanted more and more. And, um, you know, I'm just really excited about like my client this day. And that's just like when I, when it starts down to my process of design, it's just all about, you know, I have an athletic male client and then I have like uh, a woman that, you know, everything from like the everyday woman to the celebrity and the, um, and the artists that I work with. So I just try to like, you know, kind of cater to them and see what they're like, what's the void or what they're missing in their closet. And I kind of build on that. So. I mean, I, th- I think that's smart. A, a number of um, uh, consultants in the, in the business world for independence talk about, you know, there's no need to do a big fashion show or to do big productions. It's really about building that clientele from the ground up that will kind of maintain you during, you know, times of, you know, dips like the, the crisis and everything that we've been dealing with. But tell me a little bit about, did you, excuse me for not knowing this, did you, are you an autodidact? How did you come into the design field itself? And how, and then to extend from that, how did your relationship with Tommy build? Because that's been something that's been growing over season over season. So I want to hear a little bit about your own process into the design field and then also how the two of you connected. Yeah. Um, so I think one thing that Tommy always admires is that my, my grind and that I was, as a young designer, he seen me at when I first started and I was really hungry to like get into the industry and like the things I wanted. And I, you know, I always had like, I always, like he always said dream big, but Mm -hmm. I always looked at things like I wanted to do certain things in a certain way. I had like a certain taste level that I think that he really liked. And he actually always says that, you know, he sees himself in me. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think he can relate a lot to like a lot of the hurdles that I had to jump over. to sustain. And um, also, I think he one thing that he admires is my drive. And I'm, I'm very persistent. And I, I'm not, you know, one thing that he can say is I, I never give up and I keep on going. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it was that that and also it was like, you know, once the collection kind of evolved, he's seen a lot that it was kind of like, it's classic, you know, it's, it's classic pieces, but it has like a, you know, really cool, you know, um, vibe to it. 
Whereas like I break it down, if I had to break it down into like three words, it'd be like more classic street swagger mm-hmm. um, for the male. You know, the woman is more like classic street chic. So mm-hmm. like those type of things is just like more of a modern twist off of like a classic silhouettes. So I think when it came down to it, it was like the, both brands were very compatible to like merge together, have this amazing mashup. Well, I mean, you're all, you know, one of your kind of cornerstone things, at least I think from very early days was this idea of upcycling and not letting anything go to waste and really making mm-hmm. sure elevating a piece by bringing, you know, combining different things together. And and this idea of collaboration is really a, a movement that we're seeing, you know, in the industry growing, going forward, drops, you know, um, not seasons, stuff like that. Tell me a little bit about that aspect of your of your process. The when you're talking about creating pieces, is it the upcycling materials that you're working with to create the collection? What's the what's the way that you work? Well, the thing is, like upcycling to me, it was just it was really organic because it's becoming more trendy now. From a child, like that was what I was doing with my mother's pieces. I used to take her old vintage pieces, take them apart, and just give them a new life. So you know, to see that as a child, and now I'm like taking Tommy's archives and making it something new and giving it a new life. You know, that's a great amazing step. I'm I'm excited to like what's to come soon too, um, but. My, my thing is, is just like, it was not something that I planned to do. It was just something that more, it was just like really organic. Uh, I was just kind of like, okay, how can I be sustainable? Because to me, I feel like every brand has to figure out some way of being sustainable. Mm-hmm. And um, I kind of, it was just like, okay, well, this is, I'm already doing it already. I got upcycle a lot of great pieces. I kind of like came up with a concept of like how I, um, I design. Mm-hmm. I always start off with the concept and then I kind of break it into silhouettes. And it just seemed like something that was really, a, it was a fresh touch to like outerwear, especially like for a designer that, you know, it's a high focus on outerwear. It was just a way of just, you know, I don't know how to explain it right now, but it was just um it was just a way of me just saying, hey, I'm gonna be sustainable with this and I'm gonna push this forward. And more ideas just kind of came about. You talked about your outerwear being kind of your your signature, your kind of hybrid outerwear, really strong statement pieces. And you know, they say that, you know, um, what is it? Is it copying is the highest form of flattery? But I don't think that's the case when you see some smaller designers being their ideas being pinched by bigger designers and not getting um, the recognition that they deserve. So we've seen that a number of times, you know, with other brands like Moschino and others. Um, I know that you had a similar situation with you and, and Burberry. Can you talk a little bit about that? Are you comfortable talking about how that was for you, that that situation and how you dealt with it? You know, this it's not the first time that it has happened. Um, the thing is, it's just in the beginning, it just becomes something that you feel flattered in a way. You feel like, okay, like when it comes down to it, your ideas or like you're you're trending in a way, you know. But um, it's it just it then in a way you do feel like what a lot of um, I feel like young black designers have experienced is, you know, their their ideas and talent being like pulled away and ripped off and just no recognition or no highlight. Um, and then you know. It's, it's, it's also growing in the industry and feeling like you're not being mentioned or not acknowledged sometimes. And you feel like you are, like you do have an impact because each season I would see certain ideas or certain concepts roll into being a trend or being a thing. And then it also affects business as well, because, you know, when you're, you know, when you're in the middle of market and then you're selling this and everyone's reacting to it, like they really love this specific um, idea and your way of design. And then another brand comes out and, you know, when it comes down to these big houses, I feel like they, 
they kind of know what they're doing um, mm-hmm. when it comes down to it. And because it's not going to look like, you know, I'm follow- like perverts follow me at first, you know. Yeah. It's gonna look like more oh like I'm 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 copying on following and really it takes a lot of to the craftsmanship and to go into it, it takes a lot of work and I have a small team mm-hmm. so it's like all this is coming from my mind you know it's not like I have a big design team that's cooking up all these ideas mm-hmm. it's just it's me so it just it's the hard work that goes behind it and then to see that and then to see you know how does the industry deal with it. It's not something to be upset about. It's something that, okay, is this something that you guys are acknowledging? Okay, a young designer like this is really advanced. And especially like when you see their, like the reviews have been brought to my attention Mm -hmm. and it's like they're honoring this person that they're the future and that they seen something that no other designers are doing. Whereas like I've been doing this for like four seasons now. So it's kind of like, it just becomes like, okay, this is what the big issue I think is when it comes down to the issue, to industry because I feel like if you show on calendar you're on the official calendar yeah your collection gets covered by a lot of publications I think yeah everyone should kind of notice what's going on I feel like where I come from is like more of my background with where when I was in school I remember like any little thing like that it, it never it never used to be a thing Mm -hmm. To like, you know, everyone kind of designers and brands had respect for other designers, integrity and aesthetic. And now it's just kind of like it's getting very washed out with like everyone's just kind of borrowing and everything's starting to look alike. Mm -hmm. And it's just like that's that's something I feel like is fashion kind of loses its value. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. no, I know, I, I get what, and I think that one of the great things about social media has been this ability now to really, you know, shine a light on things that might not have been discussed, you know, or discussed just in, you know, the, you know, the first whispers in the front row about comparisons. But now you can really, you know, put those, fa- you know, face to face, and you know, the who made it better, who wore it better kind of aspect of it. But um, you mentioned in your in your answer this idea of you know being being a, a black designer, and I know that there are only a handful of you know prominent black designers in the industry do you feel a certain pressure or or need to 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 make your mark or help other designers of color make it in the industry i mean what is it like to be be known as a as a black designer in an industry that is white very very white it was it was a little uncomfortable in the beginning because um in the beginning it was like i experienced so many weird um comments or uh, just like not good not great not great um incidents that has happened so right. so when when it comes down to that it was it was just in the beginning it was it was something that it motivated me more to kind of make a difference and also mm-hmm. inspire young designers that um you know that it's when it comes down to a, a black designers not we don't have to always be known for streetwear or urban mm-hmm. or like designing t-shirts and jeans you know mm-hmm. and i feel like sometimes even when I go into certain meetings, it's just like, that's what is expected from the walking in the door. And then when you have something else to show, it's not always 100% accepted. It's kind of like, you're you're supposed to be giving this, you're supposed to be giving me this vibe and this, um, this kind of design aesthetic. And I'm like, no, that's just not what inspired me to design, you know? Um, I, I always take um, inspiration from like my culture and you know, where I was raised and where I'm from and, and incorporate that in the collection. But that doesn't mean that it has to be directly or, you know, every designer has to design the same thing. So it's all about making a, making a big change and use my utilizing my platform to inspire and to uplift and to show other designers that they can do this too. 
And, you know, it's not, it's a tough industry. It's a lot of work, you know, it's not um, a one, two, three thing that you're going to be the biggest designer. And don't think that, you know, because I feel like some people think that um, when it comes out to me, it's like, oh, he dressed Beyonce and he made it big. Yeah. No, it's still, I'm still working. It's still a lot of work to be done. And um, sometimes that's one thing that I can say is that I see other designers that are not Black and Mm -hmm. they come in, they're accepted, they get coverage, they... You know, they get certain things and they just blow up one, one, two, three. Whereas me, I feel like I have to work double, triple hard. And when I do see other designers that look like me in the industry and that not just one or two of us are on the calendar on are, are presenting or showing during Fashion Week, it feels much more comfortable. But I also know, you know, from their feedback, they're really uncomfortable too. And, you know, this is something that at the end of the day, it turns into like, this is not just 100% a business, it's also our passion. You know, when it comes down to fashion, there's a lot of, a lot that goes in behind it that you have to have some sort of like passion, like connection to why you design and why you develop these collections. And, you know, sometimes we have to do collections and we have to spit out a collection in two weeks. So it's just, um, those things is, is, is really, um, is, it, it kind of gets to like, you put in the hard work, you want your work to be delivered and, uh, and at the best you can. And it, you do want it to be also accepted and not to just be looked over. Mm-hmm. You mentioned you know? spit out a collection in two weeks. The, again, this kind of circles back around to that idea of, not seasonal collections, but more like drops and collaborations. Are you, is your business model, is the way you work in fashion different than you would say the generation before you in in relationship to that, in relationship to how the collections are sold, how the collections are created? I mean, can you talk a little bit about that business side, I guess, of of the work that you do is less the creative side? Yeah, the business side, um, the sustainable thing definitely plays a role. You know, a lot of, in the beginning, this was just a thing I love to use, like, the same fabrics. So I used to use men's fabrics for the women's wear and um, I, I used to pick like a, a certain edit um, to kind of like, oh, let's use like these 10 fabrics and let's see how we could like, build a collection around that. Also, like just kind of getting, trying to get my point of view over um, across with just like 30 looks. And then also unisex. That was another thing that I was like, hey, like this jacket could work for male and female. And that was a way of also being sustainable and actually being very strategic of like, you know, we wanted a sell-through. We wanted pieces that, you know, and that's one thing I, I, I feel like I've learned as I developed the collections each season is that my pieces were attracting both male and female. And mm-hmm. in the beginning, I was kind of like, oh, okay, well, you know, the buttons are on one side and then it's just kind of like, no, no one really cared after a yeah, while. And I was like, old outdated idea, the buttons on the left for women or the right for men or whatever it is. Yeah. 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 So it was just like those things I was like, cause I was being very tedious for it. Cause I was like, oh, you know, you're spending $2,000 for this jacket. I do want to be transparent and say, this is a woman's coat, but you know, this is also, it could be one. And they're like, oh no, that's okay. And I'm like, well, the button, and then no one really cares. So I was like, oh, okay. Like a lot of stuff was just changing over each season. And then another thing too, you know, I kind of introduced that very early. Like, um, I think I was one of the first um, presentations to show men's and women's together, like way back. I forgot what season that was, sorry. <laughs> Um, I think it was like 2015. Right <laughs> yeah, and that, it was like 2015. And um, the reviews, like, I didn't even get coverage because they was like, oh no, I see men's looks and all that on one. And I was kind of like, what? Like, 
this is the best way. Like, why should I present now and women's and then a month later have to deliver the same story men's? Like, I, it's better to just put the show, like, put it together, get you guys in the room one time. I thought it would be easy for the editors, but I, I don't know. It was just like, and then after that, it just became everyone started to show men's and women's together. So it just became a thing. So I was kind of like, okay, that was just like, they you didn't even like look at it. Yeah, so it was like, a, like at least look at it as like, okay, great, like this was great, and then take it as a positive, not so much of a negative. Same thing like with the mask. The mask, I, I came up with the whole mask, like the the models for fall winter twenty, mm-hmm. was just all the ma- masks and babushkas, and that was something that I feel like I thought they would go ham on the coverage for that, and I didn't really get that much. And it was kind of like something was like, oh wow, you know. We did notice it, but it was kind of like, well, I didn't be, I didn't know that was going to be a norm. It was just something that I just thought it would be go, it would go well with the look. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. You yeah. and uh, uh, Marine Serre, definitely, you know, prescient in your in your thinking and your creative thinking. Um, yes. Speaking of that, I'm, a couple of questions. I want to know one of the things that I find kind of hopeful looking at the spring summer twenty one collections was I was seeing a lot of pink, a lot of party dresses, a lot. So I'm feeling like. Fingers crossed, things are gonna, you know, we're all gonna be out and 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 dancing until dawn, you know, hopefully by next summer. What is what are your thoughts about the future? What are you what's exciting you right now? What's getting you motivated? What's getting you jazzed? What's exciting me is that I'm actually going back to a lot of my experiences when I was in like college and I'm reflecting more like I, I'm trying to incorporate a lot of me because I, I feel like with this collection that's coming out for spring 21, mm-hmm. um, is it goes back to like a childhood movie. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that was a, a, during the lockdown, um, the pandemic, I kind of reflected a lot back to my childhood and things that, um, like movies that inspired me or things like that. And um, now I'm just like, everything's kind of going backwards for me because I was more trying to get people to dress up. <laughs> if you notice, like the collections were getting a little bit more, it was cool, it was street, but it was still had like this- Some this, great fur pieces. Yeah. And also like I was playing with more satin and mm-hmm. um, satin silks and stuff like that and print and things like that, that people can actually wear on the red carpet and also wear on the street. So it was, now it's just kind of like more relaxed and everyone wants to chill, but more of a chill look. So mm-hmm. it works for me still, but it was, it's definitely um, something that I'm like more thinking back to like spring like the past collections and also my experiences in like high school and college. You were talked about you looking back into the past for your, you know, spring, summer 2021, but looking forward for your brand, you know, you said you were ahead of the game in 2015, you know, with the co-ed, which has proven itself to be, you know, much more effective as far as like engagement and reaction and coverage when you combine the two. I mean, the data, you know, supports your, your method. And then again, with the masks, Looking forward, what do you want? Where do you want your company be, to be going? Are you looking to stay independent? Are you looking to be the designer at a big house and keep your own brand? I mean, like, what's your fantasy in the, for the future? Oh yes, um, I would love to be a designer for a big house. Um, you know, hint, hint, Saint Laurent. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah. Okay, I hear you. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, I would love to be a, a designer for a big house. Um, once that presents my, once it presents itself, I would definitely take advantage of that opportunity. Um, a few opportunities came in, but you know, I'm looking for the right. Yeah. <laughs> um, saying no is just as powerful a thing as saying yes, for sure. Yeah. 
So um, looking forward to that. And then um, when it comes out to design, I'm just more like adapting, but also still want people to feel like, you know, this is fashion and that still feel good. Whatever to make everyone feel good, uplift them. Like the mask thing, when we started making the mask, it was during the lockdown and I had like my in-house team making it from home. And then we really had to figure out like sending fabric and trim over to like three people's because everyone was like, um, in quarantine so it's like sending fabric all over the place and then the time frame to make it and then how it was selling so fast that was really interesting but I think we look back at it and it makes us more strong now so I think with with everything going on it's just all about how could we keep on moving regardless of whatever comes um, our way mm-hmm. and um, how could we make it easier for people like um, our website we're adding more features to the website to like um, have a more of a one-on-one because I think a lot of my clients get to meet people from the team mm-hmm. and like whether if it's like how do you like it how should you wear it and things like that styling tips and I think that um, most of the time when I did my pop-ups and trunk shows in the past it was like the in-person connection with the client and me styling them or me like telling them how to wear the piece so I'm just looking to figure out how we could do that in a more of a virtual way mm-hmm. a lot of the things that kind of build the brand to be strong with we're just looking at how we can adapt okay yeah adapt or die as they say um, okay so let me let me ask you now the five generic fashion questions that I ask everybody so um the yeah. first the first one that I ask is always what is the favorite piece of clothing that you own that you love to wear that's in your own closet Okay. Uh, my biker jacket. I always wear a biker jacket. Is it one you designed for yourself or is it like a special oh. just that you got? Oh, sorry. I can't skip the glasses. I was with the glasses. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's accessory. a statement piece. <laughs> yeah, I can't really leave them home. Well, I could. <laughs> but then you wouldn't see anything. <laughs> then, so when you talk about, uh, you know, we talk about buying clothing and, you know, designer prices, you know, not everybody has a budget to buy a designer piece, but if a man or a woman was going to invest in one key item, you know, for their wardrobe, like a staple, what would be that one piece you think they should really save up and invest in? Uh, the Varric Poncho. Uh, it's, uh, the Buffalo check, it comes with the shirling, and then we have many different variations of the, the Varric Poncho. So that piece is because you can layer it, it's seasonless, you can wear it spring, summer, pre-fall. Yeah, it's, it's like you can wear it all year round. And um, it's a good layering piece. So if you do have another jacket under like a biker jacket or like a trucker denim jacket, you can, just, you can always layer it, style it many different ways. And if you're over it, pass it, it's unisex. So you can always pass it on to um, either a family member or your boyfriend or girlfriend. All right, so upcycling, recycling in a different way. I like it. What, who is your favorite designer, living or dead? Okay, um, dead, I'm gonna say. You can choose living or dead or both, however you want to answer that question. Okay, living, my favorite designer right now is Tommy. Um, he inspires me so much. And it just is it's great to just see that he could actually take his archives and they're still relevant. A lot of his pieces are still relevant. And I, w- I would love that. I want that longevity for myself. Um, dead, Alexander McQueen. Yeah. yeah, good answer. I agree. Uh, what trend will you never follow? I, it was a few trends that I was like, okay, I would never tap into it, but it's kind of like it's the it's the new norm in a way. So it's kind of like I wouldn't I wouldn't want to say there's a trend that I wouldn't want to tap into because sometimes you find a piece that you don't really like, but when you design it and you make it your own, mm-hmm. you can make a, a trend that you don't like. Any great designer 
could make a trend that they don't like something that they like. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's, yeah. So I, I I wouldn't really, yes, I wouldn't even say that. I would probably said that like two, three years ago, but now I'm like, no, (laughs) I'm up for the challenge. Okay, up for the challenge, I love it. All right, last question. What do you love most about fashion? Feeling, like how clothes make people feel. Hmm. You know, um, I can have a down day, but then when I put on something that I really like or I didn't really get to wear and it just, it kind of makes me feel a little bit better. And then also I feel like when people get compliments, Cause another thing I, I feel like a lot of my clients always say everywhere I go, people stop me. And that was one story that a few of my clients, that's one thing that they have in common is that they always say that it was a day that they was not really feeling their best, mm-hmm. but when they walk down the streets and, or like people stop them and say, Oh my God, you look amazing. It kind of made them feel a little bit better about their day. So um, I would say, yeah, more of the, the connection between people and clothing. That's, that's one of my things I, I hold on to, the, the reaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It has been so wonderful speaking with you. Thank, Romeo, thank you so much for taking the time. I look forward to seeing yes, all the amazing things you've been up to. Thank you, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Don't want to miss an episode of Fashion Your Seatbelt? No problem. Just go to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and click on the subscribe button. Then every new episode will drop into your feed automatically. No fuss, no muss. Believe me, I know. I'm Jessica Michaud.